0: Well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church. And today I'm joined by Allison Aconey, our community care pastor, Michael Solis, our children's director, and Cliff Tatama, our interim pastor and speaker from Sunday. If you have not been with us for the past three weeks, then you are unaware that we are in the series All In, which is a study of Romans 8. And um, we're three weeks in. Cliff, how many verses have we covered? Uh, just through 17. We covered 12 to 17 on Sunday. Awesome. So first week was all condemnation. And then um, Allison, you spoke the week after that, correct?
1: All set. All Mind- set. Mind-set. Mindset.
0: Yep. And then now we're on to week three, which I don't know. Did we have a, a we cute didn't, phrase? But it act- we did not, but it actually mirrors the title for the
2: whole thing, I felt like, because it's, it's all in. It's all yeah. in. Yep.
0: Um, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of summarizing real fast, what was the? I um... know. <laughs> give us our,
3: the sermon, please.
0: <laughs> I'm doing what uh, one every, sentence or less. <laughs> what every preacher doesn't want to hear. Can you condense your message down to yeah. just a few seconds?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it, it's all in because I think the whole premise of of those verses is we have a choice of how we want to accept dying to ourselves. Or dying, but mm-hmm. it's about being all in that way, and then uh, and then also that once that's done, then the second issue is that we are part of the family of God. We're yep. adopted into His family, and so we're now heirs of His. Yeah. So our premise, our our theme, basically was that God gives it; He's given us the inheritance. Yeah. He's given us the opportunity to step into His family, but in order to do it, we have to know it and claim it if we want to own it.
0: Yeah. Did Did you? Let me rephrase this. Do you find it challenging with a message like this, knowing that when you look out into the congregation as you're preaching this message, you have a vast diversity of believers from um, people that were born and raised in the church who have been Christ followers all their lives to some people who might've only started becoming a Christ follower in this past, well, not this past year, because we just started, but you know, in the last 365 days they might've accepted Jesus into their life.
2: Yes. Yeah. It, it is, is
0: challenging. Okay. <laughs> it is a challenge. It is a challenge. But I think yeah.
2: you know this scripture is a great one that way because it actually is speaking to people who are not yet Christ followers all the way to mm-hmm. those who are and and how serious are you taking that? Yeah. I think that I think that's the call to me of of Romans 8 a good part of it is mm-hmm. it's so fundamental to our faith but also it's challenging. Yeah. Because have we done that? Have we made the those choices mm-hmm. along the way? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um like you said it it's a call right but it's also a challenge so it can be encouraging for some right because they're hearing about this abundant life that has been offered to them and then you might be somebody who's been a Christ follower for a long time you're sitting in the congregation and you're saying maybe I have either strayed from the path or I've just gotten complacent um you'd already kind of answered this but is that is that a question that you kind of wrestle over knowing that you do you're speaking to an audience that is quite diverse and that you might not have the target person in mind while you're writing this message well i think uh
2: you know romans 8 is uh the whole thing keeps kind of reverberating what our faith is built upon and so to start with no condemnation But that's not, you know. So we really went into that that there is no condemnation for those who follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, what does that mean? And who really who 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 does that equate to? Yeah. So then, Allison talking about, listen, once you've accepted Him, your mind has to be set right. Yeah. And now Paul's following that up with here's kind of how to set your mind right. Yep. Uh, What you've got to die to yourself. You've got to be willing to make that choice. And, and then what that looks like going forward. And then if you do, not only is your mind set that way, but now you open yourself up to be an heir of yes. everything that God's offering us, of his inheritance, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't mind um, just kind of looking at the historical context, right? Because um, I feel like the farther we get away from... <laughs> You know, land and acreage and farms and all of that, and you start talking about heirs and who, whose inheritance, all, you know, we we still have that system in place currently, but it means something a lot different than, okay, that means when my father dies, I'm getting this plot of land or I'm getting, this, I have this birthright set up. Um, could, could you kind of talk about um, what that meant for the audience of Romans when they were first reading this, what inheritance and heirs kind of meant? Um, yeah.
2: I think it was very, I mean, the one part that was similar to today is that when someone dies, we read their will, and we find out who gets what as yep. part of their inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. Normally it's children and so forth. At that yep. time, it was much more strongly children. Yep. And it was, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in the message that uh, kids had to be a certain age before they were able to receive inheritance. People yeah. will, still do that today, right? They say, yeah. I've got a trust fund for my kids or whatever. They've got to be 25 or they've got to be 21 or yeah. whatever it is before they can receive that. Yeah. Uh, and that's up to whoever's writing all of that, whoever's yeah. writing their will or whatever. So, uh, but at that time, it was really an important thing because it was an agrarian. you um, culture mm-hmm. and and so passing the land on passing yeah. the 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 animals on or whatever was a big mm-hmm. part of of how you saw your future rolling out as yeah. a, as an individual there
0: or even so, yeah for for the Romans right like right a house in Rome this bustle I mean at this time probably the biggest metropolis on like in the world at that point right passing a house pa- passing maybe land outside of the city walls and stuff like that it's it this conversation when when romans and and Jewish people like heard this this language of heirs and inheritance, this was very much a um what's the right word for it it was a secular word right this, yes. this idea of oh okay, so you're saying as sons and daughters of jesus of God right and followers of Jesus, we now have this spiritual inheritance we're heirs to this spiritual realm, which I imagine was kind of, um, they kind of waxed philosophical about it, right? Because there's this conversation of, well, what am I inheriting? Is there, am I going to inherit church land? What are we talking about here, right? <laughs> so. Um, so since we kind of got that, that language out of the way and that kind of seems to be a, um, I don't know, common vernacular for this section, um, when you were reading through this, when did you kind of come to, the central theme or idea of um, where you're going to go with this message. I think, you know, um,
2: one of the things that I try to do is I, I read the overall piece of scripture and then begin to just pull out, what do I think are some significant points to that? Yeah, and then I and then I come back and look at. It. Occasionally, I'll get that right away. You just read it and you go, "Oh my goodness, this is what that says." But more often, it comes after I begin pulling things out and yeah. looking at the context of it and the whole message as a whole yeah. and thinking, "Okay, what's really is there?" And sometimes there isn't. You know, honestly, yeah. sometimes you'll get and you look at it and you go, "No, there's two or three really," and I can't really. I don't feel like I can make a central theme out of it. Yeah and that does happen but especially as you're teaching through scripture Mm -hmm. but with this one because it was about inheritance yeah uh and and, uh i felt like that really is the main theme is that we have to know it and claim it if we're going to own it yep and as believers if you don't if you think you're a believer and you haven't actually done that Mm -hmm. truthfully you're not yeah and that's the scary part to me that i want people to understand no matter how long they believe they've walked in the faith is Mm -hmm. have you really have you really thought this through have you really stepped into that place yeah and be willing to say i'm willing to die for myself to myself now so i can be part of that kingdom of god and i trust that he's got me taken care of Mm -hmm. in perpetuity
0: yeah Mm -hmm. i love that word perpetuity um (laughs) there's there's so much what what are you guys talking? I missed I just
2: told Allison, help me out here. <laughs> yeah, you guys are being a little quiet today. I
3: know. You said to recap the sermon, yeah. so we're waiting yeah. on yeah.
2: Cliff.
1: We're we are waiting with bated breath, man, so for here our cue. We can't
2: choose not to die. We're yep. all going to die. We can't yep. choose not to. Yep. But we can choose how we will. Yeah. The mm.
1: thing I had been noodling on was, I don't know if our studio audience mm-hmm. knows that Cliff just lost his dad a couple weeks yeah. ago and so as he's message preparing he's literally walking (laughs) through the passing of his father Mm -hmm. and inheritance and all things legacy coming down to he and all of his 46 heirs (laughs) and all that um so it just felt like a really rich time to be talking about, not just inheritance, but adoption as well. Yeah, right. Cause your parents were big time adoptees yes. and of the 46 grandkids, 23. 23 are adopted. Yes. So this is all so personal to you as you're preparing as well. Yeah, yes. So it's really good for, for us, the listeners. And, um, but I think it was probably just a really rich Yes. time for mm-hmm. you as well yeah
2: it was yeah. yeah
1: yeah tell us again about the story of your uh dan dan yeah. your adopted brother
2: yeah so um uh what we did for my my dad's um memorial service is five of us uh, siblings uh, spoke about and we and we chose legacy we chose right. heritage to talk about and it was really interesting because you know, we were supposed to everybody get back to each other with kind of what they were going to say so that you wouldn't have overlap. And of course, nobody did that. So uh, (laughs) you get there and go, and I'm going, let's see, I'm the second one to talk. So I'm really, I've got it cooked because I I know I can kind of, you know, uh, where some of the ones at the end, but actually God just worked that out really neat. And Dan just really felt compelled to talk about the importance of legacy to someone who's adopted Mm. and about owning that and and he said you know and he actually mentioned which i didn't have time to mention in the message that when he married his wife shin who who god just ordained that where she was an immigrant from korea herself whose dad was a pastor so the first time he goes back to korea with uh with shin then his now new father-in-law asks him um would you like us to try to find out who your parents were because we adopted him out of an adoption agency right after the Korean War, and he was found running around the streets so um, as an orphan. So they didn't know who his parents were now. They felt like now they might be able to figure that out. And, um, and Dan's response was, I know who my parents are. And, uh, so he, he felt no need whatsoever to uh, go to after do, the
1: biological. To go after the biological.
2: Yeah. And, and he actually expressed that and said, because this is my legacy now. This is my heritage now. And, uh, and that's when he was speaking to the adopted kids and saying, it's yours too. Now, you can reject it as if some of them have some of them have kind of gone well it's not my family even though i was adopted into it and was raised by one of my sisters or whatever and um but he's telling them if you want to take advantage of it you need to accept it it's yours Hmm. and it's a rich heritage and you should you should really appreciate it that's why these times of us getting together is so important and why i wanted you all here and he was speaking to his tribe at that point and he adopted to himself and so um uh you know just that you gotta you've gotta own this you've gotta recognize i would
1: would think um i mean following along this line of a patriarch yeah passing away and Let's imagine that he was very wealthy, even though that's I, a great I
2: imagination. I yeah, like that.
1: <laughs> I don't th- he was wealthy, and he was wealthy in ways that were not monetary. But let's just pretend for a minute that he was and had left a great deal of inheritance for each of you, and for the adoptees to say, "Oh, no, thanks," right. like, or to just yeah. ignore that it's available, or even a possibility to come into great wealth right through this adopted inheritance i picture that so much the same here um that you're saying this inheritance can be yours but there needs to be a like go go and get it go to the bank and claim it that's right right? that's right
2: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's so right ellison and if we do not do that and we think we're a believer then I question whether we really are because we haven't entered into the family that way. Hmm. Even though it's there and it's given to us, God says, I've already paid the price for it. It's there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've got a friend who used to own a car dealership, a Chevy car dealership, and I used to give Chad a hard time. Why don't you give me a Corvette or something, you know? And and I use it as an example that if he had given me one, said, I'm going to give, here's the car, it's yours. All you got to do is come pick up the keys, the title's over here. But I never bothered doing it. I could talk about my car all the time, but it's really not mine. Mm -hmm. I've never taken possession of it. And God says, I've paid the price for yours. It's all here. You just need to step forward and take possession of it. And when you step into it, you have all rights and privileges of it. Mm -hmm. But if I don't go get the keys and if I don't go get the title, I don't have the rights and privileges. I don't get to drive it. And I think that's as I, as I see that in what you talked about with my dad, if he had a lot of money, I know this, it's the same. We all get the same of what little is there. We all get the same. He didn't differentiate between, in fact, my godbrother, who is, we give him hard time. He's the tail along one. He's the the, the the kind of youngest of us all. He was never formally adopted, but he's included in my dad's will is because it? he's part of the family. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, not, it's cool, yeah, until you gotta divide it up one
3: more time, you know, I know. No, I'm yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I couldn't help, um, but think of, I don't know what the right word for this is, but so, so we had some special guests in the house this week, right, mm-hmm. we had yeah. uh folks from Africa, young life, and I remember Martin sharing about how there were specific young youngers teenager-esque types that would go to leaders with africa young life and say what's different about you Mm -hmm. and i couldn't help after it was all said and done thinking what an interesting pairing on the same week yes where we're talking about Mm -hmm. folks who are over in different parts of the continent of Africa uh, being an example and showing what it looks like to own this inheritance, if you will, so much so that people around say, what's different about you? And then immediately following is a message saying, own your inheritance. Yeah. And I think a, a question that I'd have for you, Cliff, coming away from it is what are a couple of practical ways you feel like Christians who might have Be in the early stages of this or maybe further along that go you know that was a good true north compass adjustment for me how what are good practical ways for them to claim that inheritance right now
2: yeah so i think once you accept what christ did, did of course that's the beginning point right but then it's a matter of saying okay it's by the spirit you put to death these things so it's a matter of inviting the holy spirit into leading you to live a life that way to see people that way to to begin to live life through that that lens of the holy spirit it changes everything and that's what when martin was talking about the kids in somalia who can't witness in kenya they can witness outright but in somalia you can't do that because you'll be killed for that and so instead they live a life of love and of care until somebody asks the question what makes you different and then they have the chance to say it's who i'm related to Yep. right and then can kind of go into that uh in that way but i was shocked when he said that even the one guy who accepted christ didn't tell his wife until she noticed the difference Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: then he was willing to to finally come clean with her and and share what it really was that had changed him
0: yeah that's a pretty powerful testimony Mm mm-hmm What's interesting about this passage, uh, Cliff, is that you had quite the job of contextualizing some words that we've seen before throughout history, and we even use some of them in our uh, vernacular, but words like, and I'm glad Allison brought up the adoption piece, is you have this contrast of um, slavery, right, versus adoption, and I feel like you did a great job Um, bringing some understanding to that and helping contextualize what that really means. Um, But I I also feel like if there is no contextualizing of those words and understanding what it meant back then to the Roman audience and what it means to us now, um, it's not that we don't understand the scripture, but the power of what was being written is lost, right? Because none of us have a relationship of here's a debt that we have, and a way to get out of said debt is, Hey, I'll go into your service, right? I'll be your slave. You buy my debt. I now work for you. You are now my master, right? And the relationship that some of these people had when they became Christ followers, right? Is am I now a slave to God? Is he my master? And which would have been a very comfortable relationship for these people to, to enter into, right? Because yes. it's, It was just the norm back then of, okay, I can't pay my debt, but you can, and I'll be your master, and this debt will end with me, and my kids can go on and be free after me, right? And I think what's so interesting about this passage is if that was the end of the sentence of we are now bondservants, slaves to Christ, that's good enough, right? But to hear Paul write, you've actually been adopted, it, it right. goes a step further, and here's where the, the real cool stuff comes in, right? And I think what can be a little bit challenging, and I can't remember from your message yesterday if, if you uh, went into more meaning of that final sentence of your passage where it says, um, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And I'm curious if you could give some more meaning to that. What does that mean for us to be glorified with Jesus? Does that mean... At the end of your life, Cliff, we throw a Cliff Day parade of like, Cliff was (laughs) such a good pastor, and he pointed people back to Jesus. Of course, we're going to celebrate Jesus, but Cliff was also a really good guy. What does that mean, Uh, to be glorified with Jesus?
2: (laughs) You know, it's funny you ask
0: that, because
2: uh, that's the one thing I did not get into in the message, (laughs) and I actually thought that when you asked the question about what did you have to leave out, I would have to say, that was it, because there is a whole piece that we can talk about with that. And I'm hoping that Scott will pick up on some of that next week because that thought is kind of continued in the next section of the scripture. But, um, but to me, what it means when we suffer with Jesus, then we also are glorified with him Is our cause is the same. Yes. And so we're glorified with him now because we have the privilege of living for him completely. Even if that means being martyred. Yeah. And, uh, but we, but we get to be in glory with him, both in the future eternally, yeah. but also now that we yeah. get the benefits of having that right now as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that that we can expect to suffer along with him or for his mm-hmm. benefit. Yep. And to some people, it's much harder, much more difficult than others. I mean, let's be honest. In our country, it's it has been the amount of suffering we've had to do has been, we have to make it up kind of, Yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of got to go, wow, that was really hard, you know, mm-hmm. but. You
1: can't say Merry Christmas at Target. Yeah. Right. At tar- <laughs> right.
2: Right. Right. They're taking oh, Christ out I'm of being, Christmas. I'm wrong. being persecuted. Right. Holidays. Yeah. Days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, but in other places around the world, it is a life and death deal, yeah. but we are so united with him that, uh, when we do what he's called us to do, when we when we when we know it and mm-hmm. claim it, then and now we're owning it. That where he would would have suffered, we suffer. Mm-hmm. Where he is celebrated, we celebrate because he is. Mm-hmm. There's one other piece that I didn't mention because I couldn't find any additional backup support on it, but it was a, a, a piece I read about um, that at that time in that culture, you could disown your own child. Yeah. You know, if they don't educate kid today, you can Mm -hmm. disown your own child and say they're they're not in our family, we choose to disown them. But at that time, you could disown a child and they would be out of the inheritance and everything else. If you went through a legal adoption deal Mm -hmm. uh, where you adopted them, someone who is not your flesh and blood, and you legally made them your own, you could not disown them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's a fascinating thought that yeah if that's
1: so so much would be at stake then if you were as a family going to make that decision to adopt someone yes you'd have to realize this is a lifer yeah you better
2: really think about
1: it bound to them
2: yeah yeah Yeah. and and i i love that picture because once god does that for us and we step into that it doesn't matter how deep we step into other stuff yeah (laughs) yeah he is we're still part of his family
3: Interesting the analogy, like you can still choose to walk away from that family, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But the father in that picture could not disown Mm -hmm. the adopted child. Right. Interesting.
2: Which is also, which is an example of the parable of the lost son, right? Mm -hmm. But of the prodigal son. But uh, in that case, he was a flesh and blood son. Mm-hmm. But what we're hearing is God saying no, but I'm adopting you in, and whether yeah. it's and so I just I, I love
0: that picture of well, and I think the prodigal son's so helpful to look at the adoption story, right? And because the end of that parable could have just been the dad saying you're forgiven, right? And you would have said that's a really heartwarming story, but <laughs> he goes a step further, right? It's like hey, we're having a feast because you came back, like come in, let's celebrate, let's right? Celebrate. And, and that's what we're seeing with adoption, right? Like you could have had your debts paid for and that would have been the end of the story, right? But we're seeing you'll be glorified with Him and you can either say that's right now or in eternity and that should not be just a sentence that you read and blow by, right? It should right. be, wow, not only has Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I'm also going to experience the best version of life for eternity, right? right. And I think that's what's so... It's so easy to miss the power of Romans nine. If you don't have your understanding of where you started out and where you were supposed to end up and now where you will end up with a relationship with Jesus. Right. It's a lot to chew on all of Romans nine. Yeah. (laughs) And it's really easy just to read right through it and just say, all right, yeah, that sounds cool. Yes. And not really take the full power in. Um, You had already mentioned this cliff that, um, glorified with him, that that final sentence, that's something that you had to cut out for time's sake. Was there anything else in your message that you would have liked to go a little bit deeper in or uh, talk more about? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, when you were talking about yeah. that just this a moment a ago, I thought, of, I thought of
2: something, and that went right over yeah. my head. I'm going, okay, what I, it's was my own again?
0: fault that I I don't ask these questions that follow up with an easy answer because you guys can just say yes, and then I look like the idiot. <laughs> All right, moving Are on. You oh, awesome. you like
3: Are you the one like an Are
1: you? I think we do. And we're like, yep, yeah. yeah, yep,
2: yeah. It's a very good thought. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Happened
1: more than once up here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't
2: don't know. I'm just, Mm -hmm. that whole idea to me of the, that. oh, I know what I was thinking is the fact, I've never thought of this before until I was making this message. How many times do we say that Jesus has paid the price for our sins? Mm -hmm. A ton. And you just mentioned that on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. And, uh, but I've never thought of the fact that he therefore owns our sins. Yeah. He paid for them. Mm Mm-hmm. He oh, owns them, yeah. like he bought them. Like he bought them, mm-hmm. and and why in the world would mm-hmm. he buy our sins? I mean, that's just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until you stop and think that no, he wanted them mm-hmm. so he could see us the way he needs to see us mm-hmm. to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I just hadn't. I'd always thought like, yeah, he had to pay the price for our sins, mm-hmm. you know, slap us in the face because we deserve it, you know. Mm-hmm. But wow, thank him for what he did. But now, so he's saying, no, you need to confess them and give them to me. I paid the price for them. I own them. Yeah. And then I'm going to turn, give you back mm-hmm. something you don't deserve mm-hmm. at all, which is my righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's why, I, I, you know, that idea of the great exchange to me is just yeah. like, You know, and the fact that that's just the beginning of the greatest deal, which is living Mm -hmm. a life for Him. So, yeah, yeah, that was my extra thought I was thinking of that went in my head.
0: Well, and I think not only what you said, but even more, because you said that He wants He wants to be able to see us and have that relationship with us is just His love for His creation, right? Yes. Not only is there this desire of I want to be in relationship with You, but Um, as someone who doesn't have children, sometimes I, I look at parents and I go, how, why do you have so much grace for this kid? You know, (laughs) like (laughs) none of us do. (laughs) (laughs) And I even look back at my parents and I'm like, why do they have so much grace for me? Right. And it's helpful to look at some parents. Right. And you get to see a very incarnate fleshly reminder of what God's love for us is like, yeah. right? you, you see parents just make decisions that make you scratch your head and it's like, oh, they love their child. You know, they love their, their image. Right. And that's the same way that God feels about us. And it doesn't make any sense, just like the prodigal son does not make any sense why that happened, but it's just a reminder of how good God is and how much he loves us.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Michael you got a chance you you are technically the most fresh to this message you um, <laughs> for those who don't know you are a children's pastor and you are not able to join us in the sanctuary on a Sunday so you're usually running around either teaching or supervising or filling in any gaps um, I'm curious as someone who got to hear it this morning was there anything that stuck out to you or you felt like oh wow I that was pretty cool. I know that you had a lot of thoughts, and you um, you thought it was really cool the message that was shared from um, Young Life Africa, but I'm curious, was there anything in particular that uh, stood out from Cliff's message? Well,
2: yeah, no, definitely the- um, <laughs> That's putting the pressure on him. I'm yeah. sitting right here, and I'm, we're gonna find out whether or
0: not he really, <laughs> <laughs> he just listened to the African Job part. reviews are <laughs> next and week. I just watched like, the first ahead. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a confrontational person, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny.
3: Uh, no, I- Job reviews, I like that. That's yeah. good, Let me get my pen. Yeah, we haven't done like that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. My annual's coming up soon, yeah. so. Uh, <laughs>
0: um
1: women just have those
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right let's read it back in
3: D roll Um, time no i i really appreciated the this the idea of being adopted in uh into the family of christ and and what you talked about with when you're talking about taking ownership of that and it did for me prompt that question that i was i was i was thinking man if i was if this was a panel on stage when you gave this sermon i was i was thinking oh it'd be so good to break into here are just even three practical ways of taking ownership of Mm -hmm. that life in christ you know because um i feel like for example from week to week we're kind of going Hey, you know, this is a great time to serve at yeah. arbor kind of thing and and it, at times I think it can look like hey, we just need someone to come around here and help us out a little bit. But it goes so much beyond that. And when you take ownership of your life with Christ, Mm -hmm. you start looking for ways to express that ownership. Mm -hmm. And serving each other is what God's called us to do over and over again throughout all of the Bible. And so it's just, I think that that really stood out to me of of when you are adopted into such an amazing family like Mm -hmm. this, saying, okay, so what is the next step for me in taking ownership of that relationship?
2: And I would say that one of the things that flows out of that is and coming from a, a very adopted family is that sometimes you when you're engaged in that, you've got to go, Lord, how do I see this person? Because they're in the family. Yeah. But uh, wow, they challenge me to be able to interact with them effectively, to be able to support them effectively. And I think that's part of what makes us different is, is uh, we look at them and say, wow, what's going on there that God, how do you see them? that's how i want to see him yep. is how yeah. you
3: see him and what i love about that is it's not only like cuz you could hear what i just said and go okay michael so i take on this christian perspective and so now i'm just going to be working all the time mm, <laughs> like, yeah no that's not it it's it's actually taking ownership of how of the way jesus sees me, sees mm. you, sees other people, especially cause man, if I, if you're looking through my eyes and if you heard my sermon a long time ago, I got vision problems, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you can, we oftentimes, I feel like people see the worst in each other yeah. so quickly. And it's so cool to be in a scenario where not only are you looking to see yeah. the best in others, but you're looking to love them and really truly see them the way they were always meant to be mm. from creation, from the beginning. And so anyway, I thought it was yeah. really cool.
0: I remember in, um, in college and in very early ministry experience, and I was talking to a mentor about this person who attended the church that I went to, and I just was like, man, this person is just such a headache. You know, they just constantly have complaints and issues, and um, they just always want to give me an earful, right? And one of the things that um, (laughs) my mentor told me was, it's always humbling, but also a good reminder to remember that Jesus died on the cross for them too, (laughs) even when they are giving you so much pain and frustration and that and it's so I think for me it's humbling to remember that I have been that person and I will probably be that person down the road and um Michael I don't want to put you on the spot but um, no but Round I will two. but I will um when you thought of of serving what was the the image that came to mind right when you said I'm going to own it so that means I'm going to hop in and I'm going to serve one another what was what was the image was it a church-related image was it like hopping on a volunteer team, or was it more tangible, like being a good neighbor? What what was the image that you had?
3: Okay, so it, yeah, great question. When so it's twofold. Um, when I was much younger, I grew up in 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 technically two Christian homes because I yeah. am from a divorced home, mm-hmm. and um, really whichever church I went to, but more so my mom's. They were a, what you would call kind of a set up church every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. We went and met at a school and in order for church to happen, someone's got to put up chairs in the morning and you got to set up the sound system and everything and take it all down before you go. And it was a ton of work every week. And I grew up in a situation where uh, I would show up with the understanding that, man, hey, if you're here you really need to jump in and help out somewhere yeah. or because it's we're going to be behind by the time people start showing up and and so for me growing up in a situation like that in in a younger scenario I just, it was what I was taught, yeah. you know, you serve on some level, yeah. but as I got older and as we're talking about taking ownership of all of what we're talking about, I started really saying, okay, so it goes beyond just it, just what is natural to function. It yeah. goes into really helping each other, really serving each other, mm-hmm. and it means something more than just you do it because you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And so when I first came to Arbor and met the pastor at the time here, I was told, you know, hey, did did you did you like I really think this I said I really think this could be our church home. Yeah. I think this this there's something that just feels right about Arbor. And the response I got was, well, as soon as you feel like you're part of the family, we would love if you jumped in and, and helped with the dishes. And what I mean by that is find a place to serve. Mm-hmm and i really just resonated with that it wasn't even a request really it yeah. was just kind of hey when you're part of the family jump in and help out kind of thing yeah. and it just took me right back to that time when i was younger like that's what you do mm-hmm. and so i guess there is just a sense of when you are part of a family you you know whether there's an expectation or not yeah. there is a sense of when me when i take ownership of things i jump in and i help out you know yeah. in, in my own family I know my ten year old daughter she was attempting to help out the other day and broke a bottle of lavender oil all over the place and it yeah. was just a mess, <laughs> but at the same time i was I'm so proud of her that yeah. she is stepping forward and attempting to find places where she mm-hmm. can start taking ownership as well yeah and even though it was again a mess to clean up
0: yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah but yeah <laughs> it reminds me of when I worked with youth students and you'd hear their interpretation of scripture and you're just like, wow, <laughs> you, you definitely saw that different than I did, you know, but you're like, you're so happy because you took the initiative and they're actually trying to respond to God's word. But then you're just sitting there like, oh, you're a little off base there, but I love it. Right. Um, Allison, I'm just pitching to everyone but Cliff right now. Good. Okay. All right. Give give Cliff Cliff a break. break. We got him good this morning. I hope
1: you ask me about how I picture the family here. Is that what you were going to ask? No. Like the survey thing? Um, Rats, because I have a great example.
0: Allison, I've always been curious how i got to phrase this a good way. How do you picture the family here at well, Arbor? Hey.
1: that's so great that you would ask that. <laughs> yeah, I course. actually have a really awesome example from this last Hey, week. Michael,
0: I was just... I'm just going go, ahead, go <laughs> ahead, Allison. I'm just <laughs> go ahead, Allison.
1: Um, one of our parking guys is named Tom, an uh, mm-hmm. older guy. He happens to also be an ophthalmologist. So he's a mm-hmm. doctor, but like of the eyes. Yeah. Anyhow, one of his guys in a small group had COVID last week and... Tom was doing a good job of, um, like checking in with him. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? How are you doing? And then the phone went silent for two days and oh, like wow. he tried reaching out, no answer, uh, left messages, no response. So Tom picked up a pulse, pulse oximeter, yeah. went over to the guy's house, you know, like, Hey, I wanted to check and see how you're doing. Turns out the guy was so sick. He didn't feel well enough to answer any of the messages that wow. were coming in on the phone. So he put his little finger in the oximeter thing. Yeah. Tom's like, you know what, we should kinda like take you in for rehydrating or something, yeah. cause you're, you're pretty bad. So this guy's been in the hospital for the last three days getting rehydrated mm-hmm. and um, getting back up to snuff. And I think mm-hmm. he's gonna be discharged today. But point being, I love that Tom was taking care of his family and they weren't, like, they're not blood related, they're family related because of the family of faith. Mm -hmm. And you check in, you check in, you check in, uh uh-oh, little warning flag, I'll go and look in on you and I will then take you into Overlake Hospital. and You know, like, it's just, I love seeing that practical yes. way of loving someone and being, we belong to each other. It's
0: tangible. It's in the flesh, right? You would yeah. do that
1: for your father, right? If he were, you know, yeah. in town and all that, you would go and take care of him. Well, just like family, like that yeah. is how the faith family works as yep. well. So anyhow, I just so love cool. that. That's so cool. Just love that.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I think what's so interesting about the um, serving each other conversation is again, the necessary contextualization of this passage, right? You see in the Old Testament, the animosity whenever you hear the word inheritance, right? Mm. Thankfully, we're serving one one another and we're not throwing each other into a lion's den because we're jealous of one person's inheritance or we're not trying to trick our brother out of his birthright. Like you look at the Old Testament and anytime inheritance comes up, it's usually not a fun conversation that follows, <laughs> right? It's... How can I get you out of the way so I can have the inheritance? And that's the beauty I think that you also see in Romans that we can skip right over, right? Is it's not because Allison is also inheriting this, it doesn't mean that my share is split in half, right? Like darn. And that's it. such a
2: great point, right? That's such, <laughs> a point. such a great that's point. point. Yeah, very good, good job. I you know, am. that's what that's what I was joking about with my godbrother. You know, well, instead of eight parts, now there's nine, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh that's such a great point because yeah. it isn't lessened. Mm-mm. And that's pretty Everybody amazing. But more, right? Right, right. Because yeah. mm-hmm. when Jesus was asked to be the judge in an inheritance issue, mm-hmm. right, like that was New Testament. And the guys come to him and say, hey, wait a minute, my brother's trying to take my inheritance. You yep. ought to be the judge. And he goes, "What? what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> basically, yeah. that's just basically yeah. what Jesus says is saying yeah. is, that's not my business. And that inheritance essentially doesn't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. The inheritance we get from him means a whole lot more. And like you said, he doesn't run short. It's not <laughs> divided. That's a great point. Yeah. So good.
0: All right. Well, we are at the 40 minute mark, so we should definitely wrap up. Is there anything else that you guys were thinking about or waiting for me to shut up so you could say something? (laughs) You did good. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening or watching the follow-up podcast, (laughs) and we will see you guys next week.